Welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, a show where we talk about tabletop games and gaming topics of all kinds. This week, we're talking about casual versus competitive play. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. We all want to win, some more than others, but only a very small percentage of players Chris. want to com- <laughs> Bless you. Fletcher not being one of those small percentages. <laughs> I'm lost. <laughs> Only a very small percentage of players want to compete to see who's the best. This is the difference between casual players and the competitive players, at least in how we'll talk about them today. What drives players to compete against each other to see who's best? Should more games encourage this type of competitiveness? And for the games that do, primarily head-to-head matchups, how should the how should they address the casual player? <laughs> This is what happens when we spend the entire pre-show talking about differential equations and Kickstarter and something else. I don't remember. But Boiler before number. we talk Greek about mythology. Greek <laughs> video mythology, games. video games, yeah, join our pre-show. Uh, it's really fun. Before you do that, though, I want to thank our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, Sahara Wentworth, and Michael Finley. Also, listener Doug and the Gift of Gains and Grace Lake Illinois. Man, we have so many friends. I just, I seriously appreciate <laughs> all of you. Um, and that includes all of our other patrons as well. Um, if you do want to join us for our pre-show, whatever it is, uh, yeah, tabletopgametalk.com slash live. 8.30 Central. Uh, we have a small crowd today. I think part of it is because we had daylight savings this weekend and confused some people. So, um, I, think uh, some, yeah. I think it's the last yeah. one, though, right? Uh, no, I hope so. No, it was passed in the Senate based on I'm some kind of actually like, going to be mad. No vote thing. But it's, <laughs> it wasn't. It's not the law. It's not law. It's no, it's not being abolished. Oh, it's not well, yet. <sighs> They were yeah, trying to do it the wrong way. They were like, let's stay in daylight savings time, which is silly because we should stay in standard time. I like daylight savings. I want to stay in whatever though. time. Yeah, I want to stay in whatever time it is not right now. Yeah, that's daylight I savings want, time. Yeah, not I want standard. more light at the end of the day. Yeah. I don't care if the sun is up at 4.30 in the morning. I'm not. But I would <laughs> like the sun to still be up at 4.30 in the afternoon, which it is no longer if you live in in the east side of the central time zone. Um, actually, or it is north. up at neither of those times, as far as I can tell. Because when I wake up at 6, it's dark. <laughs> and it is very dark. <laughs> it's dark by I, 5. <laughs> in all honesty, I've never been up at 6, so that's fine. Um, unless I'm from <laughs> the other side, I guess. Also join our Discord. Also join our BGA group. Um, all good things. I, I, have a, I have a huge um, reason why people should join our Discord today though and but i'm gonna save that because there's a couple things we already talked about daylight savings time um it's voting day today as people as most people are listening it is yes. voting day tuesday and do most yes. people actually listen it's the day that most people download the episode perhaps i, think <laughs> I don't know most- who listens to it day of yeah, well, I suppose it depends if you're listening to this the day it was downloaded that is tuesday november 9th 8th 8th to whatever yes voting day um, go vote because if you live this in the is a US. midterm election, yeah, in the in the U.S. Um, in the U.S., it's the second Tuesday of November is voting day. So every four years we do a presidential, and then two years off of those four years we do what we call the midterms. In the midterms, um, our House of Representatives gets completely refreshed. So that's five hundred and thirty-eight races that are 
redecided. And that changes quite often. Um, and the Senate, a third of the Senate is up yes. for re-election. The Senate uh, terms are six years. But if you're care if you worry about Congress, um, and if you're in the US, you probably should, but if you do, then go vote. But that's not the reason to go vote in the midterms. The reason to go vote in the midterms is because all of the local things and state things that happen in the midterms. Um, probably your state has some kind of amendment on the ballot. Uh, you're probably refreshing a whole lot of judges. Could uh, be a judge- governor's race. Over- and the governors. Yep. So, um, and we have over 60 judges in Illinois. I actually crazy. did some research before this to decide who I was going to vote yes and no on. My mom is yes an no attorney. Suggest you go to the Bar Association. They'll make judge recommendations based on yeah. the attorneys who actually deal I with those judges on a day-to-day. I always forget to do this. So when I get to the yeah. judge section, I'm like, oh, crap. I don't know. I don't know any <laughs> yeah. of these people. I found a site, Fletcher, I'll send it over to you, that has what Kitty just said, but it has like 20 different organizations. And it'll tell you, each organization will t- give you a yes or no. So you can kind of look at the judges and see which organizations say yes to this one and no to this. Um, in Illinois, all judges got a yes for everything except for four of them. So Fletcher, you have to find the four judges that you know someone says shouldn't be reelected. <laughs> um, there's also amendments. Um, in Illinois, we have a workers' rights amendment, um, and then yeah, I don't, oh, no. I one find one amendment on and one other thing. Yeah, one other thing. So anyway, check your state, go vote. Uh, your vote counts more in the midterms than it does in the presidential election because less people vote. So just by numbers, your vote counts more. Moving to a different state in which my vote does matter more has been wild. <laughs> We've been getting, I have been getting yeah. so many political ads from the moment I crossed the state line. That is all I see. Today, to the point where like after the election, you're like, wait messages. a minute, they're advertising toothpaste to me again. What is that? I do still get text messages all about Illinois elections, though. I don't know if Wisconsin is protecting my data better or if they just haven't caught up with me yet. But I am registered to vote in the proper place, and I am still getting a lot of Illinois. Needs yeah, you a lot now. of those text messages and stuff come from different databases. I've gotten a few yeah. too, and, and it's it's different databases. Um, and it's not based on your phone number because my phone number is a uh, Michigan phone number, but I'm still getting mm-hmm. your Illinois text messages. So, um, but anyway, that is just your reminder go vote. It is it, midterm votes are pretty easy in most areas because, again, turnout's pretty low. You just walk up, you vote, and you walk out. Um, and uh, I think that's the main stuff. But I did want to talk about uh, a reason to join our Discord. So I have threatened on multiple occasions to give away games and put up lists of games and all of this. Um, And I have given away lots of games on this podcast. But if you are on our Discord, then you were part of my first wave of, hey, I'm giving away these games, lay claim, and we'll figure out how to ship them to you. Um, There will be another wave going up in the next 24 hours. So if you're on Discord by then, you will have the option to you know weigh in. It's first come, first serve, whoever posts in the channel first. Don't direct message me, post in the channel um, so that everyone can see, yep, yep, you got the claim. Um, and I'm trying to keep up to date on that. But anyway, um, you'll have to cover shipping or meet me someplace to pick things up. But And there will be a, some games that I end up charging something for um i have an entire pledge of like an all-in pledge for zombicide invaders that i can't just give away but i will 
give away at a reasonable price. Um, yeah, and in the last, I think the last two weeks, I've gotten a ton. But in the last four weeks, I have gotten so many Kickstarters that I'm just like, that. there's just too many. I, I can't, too many all at once. So I'm not, don't be surprised if some of these just go directly to, um, all right, who wants it? Like Transmissions. I really wanted that game, and now I have it. And I'm like, well, I have 15 other games that I'd rather play in front of instead of it. Um, I have the Everdell Big Box now, but I also have all the other Everdell stuff, so I'm probably going to give a copy of Everdell away. Um, Lands of Galzier, I'm going to throw up there. Um, so yeah, don't throw anyway. up. That sounds gross. I'm going to pop into the Discord as, hey, <laughs> somebody want a non-thrown up on Lands of Gazir? <laughs> Chris, what do you think is the average turnaround time from when you, you know, when the game is, you know, backed and successful to when you get it? The average turnaround time, <laughs> it's hard with the pandemic. It's meaningless because okay, they are all so different. <laughs> Pre-pandemic, I would say 18 months would be, well, 12 to 18 months would be average. 12 to 18 months. So a year to a year and a half is about average. I would get yeah. some of my smaller games much quicker than that, more in the three to six month. Like yeah, card could, games, things that are already mostly ready to print, they just need to do that. Yeah, Anything so that could, doesn't involve miniatures and lots of specialized bits. If it involves bits. yeah, plastic or specialized bits, it's going to take longer. If mm-hmm. the game's not fully developed, it's going to take longer. Um, I mean... We were, there's a game, um, Christopher reminded me before the podcast, and I looked it up, a game that I backed in May of 2017 that will arrive at my house on Wednesday. So, <laughs> that's five years. The, yeah. <laughs> but, so, so let me, let me know, ask you the question average. in a different way. Um, if you were to stop buying or stop pledging um, <laughs> games today, how long of a run- runway do you think you would have until games would stop showing up? Funny because I was just I was just checking this. So I have uh four, five, six, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 32, 34, 36, 37, 38, 40, 42, 43, 42, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, so if we go by that, I probably have about a two-year runway where I would still be getting Kickstarters trickling in. So Interesting. With most of these coming sometime late next year. So you could stop be... doing Kickstarters for two years and still have games coming in. Yes. Approximately. Yep. Yeah. In fact, that's why so many games have come in recently is because there was the whole shipping issues and, you know, cost of production and stuff because i got mosaic transmissions flamecraft final girl wave one everdell big box lands of is iss vanguard dice thrones santa versus krampus uh zombicide undead or alive and embryo machine all in the last month and then Ooh, before that it was like two months of maybe one game that came in so it it really kind of ebbs and flows depending on chinese new years and shipping rates and uh, a lot of other things right now but yeah yeah and I'm I can't believe I missed the solo RPG be like a crow. Why why do I sometimes just randomly go to Kickstarter? I'm like, oh, I just accidentally backed something. Yeah, there's the when I go to Kickstarter right now, there's four games that I'm like, I should back this, I should back this, I should back this, and I haven't. The only one that I've backed, and I am all in, no matter what they put on here, I will back it, is Cthulhu Death May Die. Uh this is the 
second the standalone season three and four uh four is not standalone but season three is standalone and it's up to about 2.7 million right now it'll cross 3 million easily by the time it completes which will be in 45 hours from the time we're recording this which if you're paying attention is shortly after 8 30 monday night central time um so yeah this game i'm all in for but the other ones like there's a bunch that i should want to back and I'm just like, nope, like Slay the Spire. I'm like, I like the video game a, t- a ton, but I'm not going to back it because I could play the video game. Or Sworn, like nothing but great reviews. Big box miniature campaign. Fletcher, you probably love this game. Um, nope, not going to do it. Role player adventures, the reprint with expansion. Uh, I played through it. I'm giving it away to Steve next weekend. Um, so like there's a lot of things that I'm trying to be more responsible with, with my backing. And I'm now looking at my <laughs> Kickstarter over here. Like, I haven't received some of these games. Is that their fault or mine? That you haven't <laughs> received them? It yeah. could be either way, actually. It really could go either way. This move was um a bit of, bit of a wild one. <laughs> I think nope. I caught all of my <laughs> please update my shipping address. Do you have your children? Guys? I do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, then you're most of the way there. You're probably fine. Do I have my wine glasses? Questionable. <laughs> well, Are they in one piece? But what you have discovered is you can drink wine glass wine from a sippy cup, so you're probably fine. I haven't gotten there yet. I uh, <laughs> We've been drinking uh, wine out of thing. only the my sister's wedding. They had like printed wine glasses. Oh, as their I use those a lot. Yeah, that's I all I. That's all I can find. All of my nice stemmed wine glasses gone. I. I mean, I think they're in my basement somewhere. But these are stemless yeah, wine my... glasses. So the top is kind of like a rounded shape, but they don't have a stem. I actually mm-hmm. prefer those because I feel like they're more stable for some reason. Um, probably because they are. They are less spillable. <laughs> I was going to say, like, they have a lower center of gravity instead of having, yeah. like, a bunch of liquid on a little tiny I, stem. Yeah, I know. Let's take a red liquid that instantly stains anything and put it on a tall stem and on fancy white tablecloths. I think this is going to work out perfectly. This is why I drink white wine. Uh, it's the only uh, reasonable response. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, Tabletop Wine Talk, which really this could always be called, um, has concluded. (laughs) Sommelier Talk. (laughs) We are now uh, going to talk about competitive versus casual games. Uh, And this stems off the fact that I'm going to Keyforge Celebration this weekend to play Keyforge competitively. There's four different tournaments running. Uh, Two of them, well, two tracks running concurrent so you can only ever play in two tournaments um but yeah so we're going to play keyforge competitively for the first time in person for a while uh sydney has before but um i have not and it got me thinking along with if you guys listen to the covenant cast as well which i know fletcher and kitty don't um they just recently did an episode titled the same way i did not like the way they covered it i didn't dislike it i just um they covered it from a very competitive standpoint and i want to cover it from a more well-rounded standpoint um man it sounds like i'm casting shade i don't covenant cast is great but um i just wanted to talk about this subject so that's what we're doing fletcher have you ever played in a tournament yes i have technically yes. not counting the keyforge tournament that i did for you no i have not <laughs> <laughs> you can count that we'll, we'll reference it um kitty i'm gonna ask you the same question have you ever played in a competitive tournament yes 
and outside of Keyforge as well, or just the Keyforge Fault Tours? Just the Keyforge Fault Tours. All right. Because um, you used to play, you played Pokemon, right? You actually I played, played Pokemon like, or just casual collected? with other children when I was a child. Yeah, okay. same. I, I never played competitively Pokemon. Same thing with Magic when I played Magic. It was always non-competitive. So I have played a lot of competitive games. Um, I think I hate them, but I keep going back to them. So that's why that's how we're going to talk about this right now is because like Kitty, you played competitive Keyforge. So let's just visit that for just a moment. Why did you decide to take your Keyforge decks and go to? I think we played at Gen Con, right? And um, maybe one I played place, it a couple. I played Adepticon too. I did yep. three Vault Tours, I think. So why did you play that game competitively? Why did you say, hey, I want to go against people who think they're really, really good at this game and see how good I am? Everyone was doing it. (laughs) Peer pressure is your answer? I don't know if I have a good answer. (laughs) That's a terrible answer. Everybody's doing it. uh, You and Sydney and Doug were playing and it was Don't be a square. Yeah. And I I was curious because... You know, it was a new game. I was, I felt like I was in on the ground floor. I felt like I could know as much as anyone else because there are a lot of competitive games that I felt like. Yeah, getting into magic, from, good luck. Oh my gosh, it's insane! You can't get into magic now. I mean, you can, but it's it's a lot. It's a life commitment. Yes. So I was kind of dipping my toes into like, is this going to be my life commitment? And the answer was no. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to revisit that a few times. Um, <laughs> but Fletcher, so you played, and just to give people some background, we've talked about this in recent episodes too. Um, when Keyforge first came out, I reserved some time at my local game store and I had 16 of my closest friends come up and we did a Keyforge tournament after hours at the game store. And you came up and played in that. And you had a terrible deck, from what I remember. Um, um, that was a closed one. That was so. Th- that was a closed. Like, but right, I we're playing a sealed, sealed. Yeah, yeah, sealed. I don't think my deck was terrible. I think it was fine. I was just not a good okay. player. Okay. The very first how deck that you, you gifted me was a terrible deck. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, how did you like that environment? For playing, and that was about as friendly a tournament that you could possibly be in. Like we were literally just playing with all of our friends. That was that was good. That was fine because I pretty much knew everyone. Um, I think I even played. Did I play against you, Kitty? I think I did. That sounds so, accurate. Yeah, Kitty's watching like shopping on Kickstarter right now. So <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying to figure out if the Seventh <laughs> Citadel needs me to email them my address right now. I think I do. I, I, you might be all right. It might not be. I don't know. But so what did you think about like pitting your skills against your friends and being like, okay, I am better or worse than this group or in this group? Um, <clears throat> it was fine because it was all friendly. Like I knew everyone or if I didn't know them, like, you know, we all knew the same people anyway. Um, so it was fine. I think I won my last game because it was like an elimination or you just like you played three rounds and i i lost against kitty i think i lost against somebody else um and then i won it was my probably last. doug <laughs> everyone lost against doug yeah um everyone yeah. always loses against doug so Not for really, those who it feels like who it care yeah we were playing a swiss um 
which basically means you keep playing and you tend to you are matched with someone of your same record if possible. When we had yeah. 16 people, I think we were able to play four rounds and then everyone was, you know, by the end of four rounds you have one person who is 4 and 0 and they're the winner. Um and then you had one person who was 0 and 4. And I think the bottom four people or whatever I gave them like, "Okay, give me your deck and I'll give you a different sealed deck because apparently yours sucked." Yeah, so like I was not good enough I was not worse enough to uh get a new deck. Um I was just good <laughs> enough to like win one round and then, you know, that that was it. Um but Go you know, with that deck. Pro- probably most of it is um just kind of naivete and 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 unfamiliarity with with all the game aspects i knew how to play um but i wasn't a good player so would you play and in any game really so and we can kind of talk about our bga tournaments as well because fletcher you've I guess been I played avoiding in BGA them for the most part I, i've been in what? a few i've been in a few yeah, BGA yeah, yeah. tournaments but i wasn't counting but those. you avoid them unless i force you to do it so i'm wondering <laughs> are you just adverse to competitive tournaments or is it that you have to feel like you are good at the game and have a chance of being like higher ranked before that's something that's desirable to you and i'm not casting shade in any way i'm like i'm very i'm curious about that um i i guess like in terms of like the bga tournaments um since it is like a lot easier to like join i would say that like i'm just you're right. Like I'm typically just not that interested because I know that I'm not that great at the game. So I'm going to play this game six times and I know I'm going to come towards the bottom of the rank. Like, I don't know. I guess I don't need that. Not that so, I need to win, but it's just kind of like, like you don't I, I, I don't want to always lose. <laughs> I don't want to always lose. Like I don't need a bunch of people to like wipe the floor with me. Like, okay, great. So Kitty and I recently participated in Next Station London, and Kitty really likes this game. And I'm pretty sure that Kitty did not come in very well in that particular tournament. Um, I did not. And does that change your like of the game or increase or decrease your desire to be in another Next Station London tournament? Is that for me or Kitty? (laughs) It's mostly for Kitty, but... Fletcher, knowing that Kitty did so poorly, would you be willing you know, to play? Do we need to say? <laughs> Kitty um, overestimates her abilities, so maybe you can. Knowing win that you could probably beat Kitty at her own game, want to play? Rude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've I've still been playing Next Station London. I have a. We were just in a game that just ended, and I came in third. And I don't know. I'm. In a, another game where it it looks like I'm doing well, I don't know. <sighs> I don't know. It did change the way I felt about the game. It made me feel sad, but I'm still playing. Well, and this is what I'm kind of getting at. Like I, I sort of joked earlier that I don't think I like competitive play, and I don't. I don't think I like competitive play, but I like playing. I like winning. I, I can't stop myself. <laughs> You don't like competitive play, but you like playing competitively. Yes. I want to feel like if I'm playing competitively, I'm playing on the same level as the other people who are playing. This is why, like, I could play Magic competitively. I would not build decks competitively. I would go net deck something. But I could play that game, and, you know, after probably a few weeks of practice, my skills would be high enough where I could go and probably 
end in the middle of a pack in, in most tournaments, which is the case in a lot of the different games that I play, because I can be at least middling in a competitive tournament. But if I was always going to be at the bottom, I don't think I would want to play. But that's not that's the thing, though. It's, it's not just winning that is fun about participating in tournaments. And this is, goes back to what Kitty was saying. You know, she was in three different Keyforge tournaments. And I don't remember where you placed in them, but you were playing because fine. your friends were playing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was fun to play a game and then see how everyone else did. And then, you know, as you might get knocked out, know that, oh, this person who I came with is still in the running. And, you know, so there's some camaraderie there in like rooting for your friends. And I like that aspect of it. I just don't know. I think that competitive tournaments can bring out the worst in people. And myself included, not on purpose. I don't think it's on purpose at all. I think it's just when you're competing at that level, everything matters. And you want to start you know, winning on technicalities just because I, I don't want to lose. Or you're, you're hoping that your opponent you know, does something dumb so that you can take advantage of it. And I don't like feeling that way typically when I play games. But when I'm in a competitive environment, I'm like, if, I, if I'm playing you with a casual game, I will tell you how to beat me. It's like, oh, you probably shouldn't do this. You want to do this and this instead. If I'm playing in a competitive environment, I'm just sitting there back and saying, that was dumb. And, you know, just poker face all the way. And I don't think I like that about myself. And I don't like that as far as like making friends. I don't know. Like that's where I'm, that's where my mind is at the moment. So I feel like I don't like playing competitive games for like extremely different reasons. And that is because I feel like the moment my brain is like, oh, this one matters more than other games, even though it is exactly the same. My body is like, it's time to stress and panic. <laughs> and um, it makes me do worse. <laughs> and and I'm constantly sweating and stressing and panicking about something that's supposed to be fun. And so it's it's not as bad on BGA, although I do think on BGA sometimes the timer gets me whenever I, I see a timer and I see it running down or out. I am like, oh, no, I better take my turn fast, which is the worst strategy. Bad idea. And I just feel rushed and like I'm not playing at my best when I'm in these situations. And and that's what makes it less fun for me. Yeah. What about you, Fletcher? Like when you're in... A competitive situation. Do you change how you approach the game? Um, I guess not really, because all games—not all games, but like most many games that we play—are competitive by nature. Maybe not, you know, through a tournament, but they are just competitive. So I would say no, but like the tournament play adds like a different dimension of competitiveness and you know, how competitive you want to be. Um, and I'm typically not into that scene. I think. And a level of dedication to the game that I just don't care to have usually. Yeah, I, but I think it's a little different. So, and and maybe, I don't know, maybe it isn't. Maybe it is it is just a mindset and how you approach it. Um, because I try, and I, I tell Sydney this all the time, I go into every tournament expecting to lose. 
I don't want to lose. I just expect to lose because I expect that other people are putting more time and more effort into the game than I am. And every time I win, that's like, oh, cool. All right, I got one more step. But there's a certain point where I cross a threshold and be like, oh, I've just won the first three rounds. I have a chance here. And then my mind turns into, okay, now I'm I'm in the same stress mode that Kitty is, where I want to win now. I'm I want to be good at this and everything matters and it it matters more than it should for something that's fun. And it's when the, that's when it crosses the line, the competitive part crosses the line from being a fun event to play in to being, oh, I have to win. And, you know, we've done a number of tournaments on BGA, and I try to make these very, very casual friendly. This is why, you know, the winner of the tournament gets a, their color, a num, a, the color change in Discord. Um, and I like that. And then everyone who participates is in the same drawing to win, you know, win something. I think that to me makes it more of a participate for fun as opposed to participate because there's something on the line. I also don't charge any admissions or anything like that, right? That's another thing. If I'm going to spend, so I'm spending $75 just to attend this event. And that's not counting travel and hotel and meals and all the other stuff that goes around that. That's a decent financial investment to go and, you know, lose and not have fun doing it. So for me, these competitive events, they have to have something more than just the chance to win. And I, I don't know. Like it's, it's funny. Also, you know, Kitty, you're mentioning early on, it was like the new thing and you felt like you're on equal footing and all of that. Same thing for me, right? I felt like, oh, yeah, we're all on the same level. This, this is my first time I'm going back and competing at this level. And I'm like, these people have been playing for two years that I haven't. Uh-huh. And now I'm going to go in and see how I do. And I don't know what's at stake. I don't know what the prizes are. I don't know anything because this is not the most organized of events. But I'm going because it should be fun. And hopefully I'll meet some people who like a game that I like. And maybe it'll spark that okay, I want to go to every competitive event again, or maybe you're like, yeah, I'm I'm okay not competing in this. I can play casually. But then, what does that look like? What does casual play for KeyForge look like? Kitty, you don't play it anymore. Mm, well, I did move to a creepy mansion in the middle of nowhere, so that's on <laughs> yes. Me. But even before that, you left. Well, <laughs> like you left when you stopped feeling competitive. I mean, I left right around the beginning of a pandemic when I was seven months pregnant. So, you know, there were a lot of circumstances to, to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I'm not sure. I left when I stopped feeling competitive. <sighs> I, I don't know. Do you like Keyforge? I don't know. <laughs> I, want, I want to like Keyforge. But I don't know if I actually do. I don't know if that's... The game got a lot more complicated. And I liked it the way it was. And I don't do well with change. And that's a me thing. Yeah. Well, but that is a valid thing. Um, Mm -hmm. So one of the things that Ghost Galaxy, the new owners of the Keyforge IP, was trying to do is make it more widely desirable. Um, this whole construction format, you know, Keyforge is a unique deck game, right? You buy a deck, it is, every deck has the same card back. It is, can't be changed, can't be modified, 
Unless you create an official format that allows you to change and modify your decks. I think that's the worst thing they could have done, though. I think that makes it harder. It makes it you need to know all of the cards. What I was more frustrated about was I want them to get rid of some of these keywords. I don't want, oh, with each new thing that is set that comes out, now we have three new keywords that do two different of things to something else and you have to know how they interact with the previous things and now we have guard and there's five different ways that you can strategize to win i just and i know that that's part of growing the game but it just felt like too much for me to stay on top of and i cared and i like listened to podcasts and did the things and i don't know maybe it's just I'm just maybe not a competitive player. Well, but that's a good point, though. When you talk about competitive versus casual, the companies themselves, they have to, the game has to evolve to keep the competitive players engaged. But how do you keep the casual players engaged, which by definition aren't as engaged as your competitive players? Um, I think there's some, and I'm going to make up some stats right now, but um, we'll say for you know, statistical sta- uh, sake, your freemium games on your mobile phone, those games uh-huh. that you can download for free and play, and then there's in-app purchases. Something ridiculous, like less than 5% of the players of those games actually spend any money on those games. But those players spend a ton of money. But you have to have the other 95% there because that's what makes the 5% want to be better than everybody else. Because there's a big audience there. Now, when you're talking about something like a card game, you are in a similar situation. Also, 5% is high. It's actually much smaller than that. It's like two to one, one, one to 2% or less. But um, in a competitive game, there's over a million registered users on the Master Vault, which is the thing that the app that you use to scan in decks when you get a Keyforge deck. There have been maybe 1,000, 2,000 participants in more than one vault tour and actually if you if you say more than one vault tour is probably less than that so you can see how that i had no idea percent, i was so special yeah well, that's, <laughs> that's the thing it's but it's a fraction of a percent so mm-hmm. how do you keep those other casual players involved but still keep the competitive players who are spending you know who own a thousand plus decks keep them also involved Am I going to buy more decks if the next set doesn't add anything new and interesting? Probably not. But a casual Are player sure? who picks up that, oh, I don't know. <laughs> it depends, right? I think you would. I oh, And I, I don't might, know but... if it has to be something like so game-changing. I don't know. I just felt like um, whatever the third set was, I don't even remember. Worlds Collide. Worlds Collide. It felt too different from the first two sets. <laughs> And I just couldn't handle it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing, though. But if someone comes in at Worlds Collide, like, it doesn't feel different to them. It's the thing that they are learning. Um, and then the next set feels different, right? And then you have... So, and we're using Keyforge as an example because it's the one that's top of mind right now. But this goes for all, especially dueling card games um, or miniature games. You're talking Warhammer or, you know, the... 15 different versions of Warhammer. Um, Really, any competitive game is similar to this. But now let's take a look at something like chess, which doesn't change. It still has a competitive scene, 
But how many competitive chess players are in the world? Oh, let me hop on Google here real quick. A lot. How many? (laughs) And then versus how many people who know how to play chess? Well, a lot of people know how to play chess. Right. So Michael mentions a lot more than you would think. And I, I think I agree with that. But I think if we take that as a percentage of the people who know how to play chess, I think it's going to be like a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a percent. Sure. Well, how are we defining? Um, you can just look for, you could say how many um, players are ranked in chess, like, because there's like the, a national chess ranking system, right? Or international chess ranking system. Um, um I'm seeing numbers for chess players and grandmasters. Well, how many chess players are there? 100? 200? It says 800 million. <laughs> I could, and I could see that. I mean, I, I, could, I could say that, yes, one in 10 people on the planet play chess. Yeah. Totally. Seems yeah, about right. I can totally see that. How many of them have competed in tournaments, though? And that's the thing that makes it, like, that's where your casual player versus your competitive players are. Like, I'll sit down and play a game of chess with you guys anytime. I'm not going to enter a chess tournament. Yeah. Like, of people that know how to play chess, it's, you know, probably one in 300 or something like that. Um, 350,000 are ranked by the FIDE. That sounds right. So, 800 million. is the divided by international chess federation which i assume that makes sense in some other language i'm I'm doing math here so that is 0.04 percent of people who know how to play chess are ranked at a competitive level and then there are 1500 grandmasters if you want to keep doing math (laughs) um all right so of the people that have played chess and ever or know how to play chess there's 0.0018 percent of them are grandmasters um (laughs) how many chess cheaters so christopher's um going into the current media where uh apparently there's a way of cheating at chess and it's very easy to do but anyway um do some research on on chess cheating and that's a fascinating rabbit hole to go down on youtube um my point is though competitive versus casual most of your players are casual but most of our modern competitive games are catering to the competitive player. And is there a disconnect there? I don't know if it's true that most, I mean, most of this kind of hyper-competitive game I'm, I'm is... talking. <laughs> I'm talking dueling card games or other um, head-to-head miniature games, those types of things. Like, you know, X-Wing, I, for example, is a... That- I think that a lot of these games are catering to those people because that's where they make their money, number one. And number two, I think that a lot of these people who play casually play casually like a few times and then go, you know what? This isn't for me. I don't think there are a lot of people who play casually long term Um, in this kind of game. I think I agree with you in many of the games. But when you look at something like Magic, which is like the poster child of this the vast majority of magic players who have been playing for a very long time um still just play casually they may play friday night magic they may play commander they may pay like there's so many different formats that are casual focused that people play around those formats i think the casual magic is more competitive than most games i mean it is still a dueling 
head to head game. Well, not that is played not usually not like not game, just with your friends. Usually not just at your. It's not like oh, I'm going to go over to my buddy's house and play a couple of games of Magic. It's like I'm going to go to the game store. I go to the game store and play with these other people who are really into it this time. You know, it's not. It's not not competitive. I've. For the entire duration of this podcast, uh, we have a friend um, whose name is Rob, and Fletcher may have never actually met him. He is still, he and his wife are still into magic um, mm-hmm. and have been their entire lives, I think, literally almost. Um, and they do not ever play, that I know of, have never played in a competitive tournament. Um, and if they did, it was just kind of like a one-off thing. Yet they are hardcore into this. And I would love to get like his perspective on magic one of these days. Uh, it's, it just never worked out. But I think magic, I think magic is an anomaly in general. Like I play magic still. I, I don't play competitively. I will jump on magic arena and play a few games. Um, and I'm like, Oh, okay. That was fun. Um, I like to win. I don't necessarily like losing. Um, but you know, if I'm playing casually, I don't really, it doesn't really bother me one way or the other. Um, and you know, even when I lose, I get to see strategies. I'm like, Oh, I never even thought about that. Um, because the, the, the design space in that game is so big that every game is a learning opportunity. If you take it as such, I don't like going to events. I would never, I have not gone to a magic in-person event in 20 years. And that is a literal number. Um, I know the last event I went to and 20 is a literal number, literally 20 years. I have, I'm not just saying, Oh, in over like that is the last time was 20 years ago. Um, so in and 2000, I, just, I have 2002. no, um, Oh man, I'm older than I thought <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was, I 90... really hate it when numbers confront me with my age. Yeah, it was 97. So yeah, that's over 20 yeah. years. So 25 years ago. <laughs> um, it was a Chicago tournament. I drove in from Michigan to go to the, go, go to, it was the basement of a hotel room, um, or a basement of a hotel, um, but it was a relatively I was big say, space. That's one fancy hotel room. Yeah. It has its own <laughs> and, basement. <laughs> yep. And um, still to this day, whenever I walk by it, I'm like, oh yeah, I went to a magic tournament in that, in that place. Um and I remember like vividly, like a friend of mine from high school and I, we drove down, we drove down early in the morning, played in the tournament and drove back that same day. Um, and yeah, we had a ton of fun. Um, we didn't do well at all, but we were just playing magic and, you know, being competitive in a game that we really like to play. Um, for one of us, the game became a moneymaker. So he would just buy and sell cards. For me, I got to college and I'm like, oh, I really don't like the college scene for this game. And I just have, I rarely go back to it since. Um, but it was really just about how serious people took the game. It just kind of was off-putting to me, which is why I kind of like stepped away from it. So something interesting about tournament play on BGA versus in person is... On Board Game Arena, something that I like that it does is it you have your ELO ranking. So if you're playing against really good players, you get that immediate feedback of you can see their number. And even if you lose to them, your number is probably going to go up. And you can feel like, oh, okay, it's not like I just got crushed 
by somebody who has the same skill level as me. You you have a visual representation or a numerical representation of the difference in skill and experience. And you can, you know, see I'm looking at my BGA page right now and I have a ticket to ride game in which I am a beginner, a next station London game in which I'm nothing <laughs> and a welcome to <laughs> game where I'm a good player at welcome to now, apparently. <laughs> and I can, you know, so if I lose at welcome to maybe I feel a little bit worse than when I lose in ticket to ride, which I am currently playing my first game. And I have not played this game in like, I don't know, probably over 20 years. Just kidding. So it's fu- but maybe it's funny- 10. <laughs> it's funny you should bring that up. So I have a few games and I have a relatively high ELO in. Um, Railroad Inc. and Next Station London we should probably, are those. What is, what is ELO? Um, it I doesn't it stand for anything. <laughs> Electric Light <It's>, Orchestra. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't stand for anything. It's not an acronym. It's actually someone's name. And basically the way it works on BGA, um, the Board Game Arena for those who are listening for the first time. Um, The way it works is if you are playing with somebody and one of you wins, one of you loses, so it's a head-to-head game, um, it's a net zero at that point. One of you is going to go up a certain amount of points. The other one's going to go down a certain amount of points. A certain amount of points is just a variable. I think it's like 40 or something like that. Um, But as your ELOs get apart from each other, so if Kitty has a 200 and I have a 100 she's going to gain half as many points for beating me and I'm going to gain twice as many points for beating her. Um, basically that's, you know, a very, there's, there's the a math lot of a math. Little bit more complicated. Yeah. <laughs> you can look um, up. Why did I get this adjustment? Yeah. It doesn't so always in, make sense, but yeah, and in BGA, once you hit a hundred, you can never go below a hundred. Um, that's just kind of your threshold for saying you've played this game enough where you understand it. And now you, you can enter tournaments and do other things. So an ELL, an ELO of 100 is essentially your goal. If you want to start, you know, playing the arena modes and things like that. So if you have a high ELO in a game, it is actually not advantageous to you as someone who cares about your ELO to play people who have a lower or zero ELO. Because if Mm -hmm. I lose to someone who has a zero, that's a huge jump in my points. Like if I have 400 and they have zero, they win. They're going to drop me by 40 some points. I have to play something like 15 games against people who are you know, at my same level to get those 40 points back. So it is, it creates this mindset, a competitive mindset, if you pay attention to that number, because it's like, okay, well, so I play my friends at Railroad Inc. uh, at work and these games, I oftentimes don't win because they're pretty good at this. But if I slip up and I lose to all of them, I can lose like 60 points in one game. So I'm like, uh, so I stop caring about the ELO and then I find myself not caring as much about the game. And mm-hmm. that's where that competitive switch turns off where I'm like, eh, okay, I'm just going to play this for casual fun. And I stop trying. It's not that I stop trying to win. It's I stop caring if I do win, which means I'm not playing as well as I was before because I'm like, eh, I don't need to take this game as seriously as I was taking it. In some ways, though, I just I still feel like I I can take it. I don't know. I feel like I do better when I'm taking it less seriously sometimes. 
like the less stressed I am, the more I can like just relax and enjoy the game, the better it's going to go for me. <laughs> I I want to believe that about myself, but I know that's not I the want case. to believe. <laughs> I, I want <laughs> I want to be able to like just be casual and relaxed. But I do stress about I don't I mean I, stress is the wrong word because I, it's not a bad feeling. I like doing well and I like thinking through things and I like winning. And when I lose, I don't get upset about it, but I notice it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, this person beat me. <sighs> Do I really want to start another game with them? I don't know. Probably not. Because I can look really good if I just keep playing the people that aren't as good as me. <laughs> and that's not good. That's the difference between competitive and casual in my mind is like, I just want to play to have fun. But also, th- is that fun? Like, Fletcher, you don't want to play me because if I beat you all the time, what's the fun in playing me? Yes. This is true. And this is why we don't play games. This is why you don't even play the crew with us. I think we all need to sit down and watch the Obstacle Course episode of Bluey. And we'll all feel better. (laughs) This is true. This is very true. But I want to be the Bluey who wins. Yeah, but you're going to turn into the dad who's cheating against his six-year-old because you can't handle life. Like, Uh, Well, so I think for me, it's, it's a little different than that. Like, I, your point is well taken. <laughs> Mine is, okay, I can't beat my six-year-old anymore. That's fine. I just won't run the obstacle course anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's why he won't play Memory Snap. Yeah, yeah. I play, yeah, yeah I, yep. You won't play I, Memory I, Snap anymore. <laughs> I, I pull a Fletcher. I'm like, yeah, I'm not good at this, so I'm not going to play it. And I just don't want to be, I don't know, I, I feel like I just need to, like, relax and, you know, like... Oh, well, it was fun to play. You know, well, the next station, London tournament, aside from the game we played while I was driving back and forth to Michigan, that <laughs> exception, uh, notwithstanding, I still had a ton of fun playing in that tournament. And despite my extremely poor performance, I continued to play this game. And so, yeah, maybe I took a couple of days break because I felt sad because I lost big time. But if we did a Next Station London tournament starting today, I would play in it. Uh, for the record, I did look this up. Um, you did not. We had 37 people in and you, I think you finished still in the top like 15. So you were in the top half. I, oh, I was in the top half. I was going to say, yeah. I felt like I came in like uh, not too far from the middle, but on the bottom half. So yeah, I think, I'm I think surprised to hear because I don't think I looked at it once it went to the finals. I stopped well, caring about the scores because I wasn't in it anymore. <laughs> so, well, and that leads to another thing too. When I was playing that, because I was I was winning most of those games, I was doing very well in that tournament. I ended up winning the tournament. I felt guilty winning, and that's usually <laughs> what ends up happening. Whenever I do win something, I feel bad about it because I'm like, oh, all these other people really wanted to win, and I guess I could have gone either way. I didn't really care, and. So and and again, that's just kind of me in my head justifying like why I, I shouldn't it would care make that I them won. Feel even worse because you're like, oh, and now I'm not even oh. going to like enjoy my win. I stole this from <laughs> you, and I didn't even want it. I did, just enjoy I en- the win, Chris. Oh, I enjoyed it. I just felt <laughs> bad. I felt bad for how much I enjoyed it. <laughs> Are you sure you didn't go to Catholic school? (laughs) 
I think we all have just inherent guilt, no matter what. <laughs> but I don't like gloating, but I do like winning, and it, it just makes for a weird combination. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know that we covered this topic any better than anyone else can cover it. It's a really complicated topic. Like, fact of the matter is, most people will never play in a competitive tournament because it's just not something that people are interested in. And so, and, and that's another thing that, like, I like Keyforge. I like a lot of competitive card games, but because of their competitive nature, they are very hard to introduce casual players to. And that is a limiting factor to me as well as like, you know, can't should I teach you the Game of Thrones card game? Probably not. Because there's so much nuance in there that you're not gonna you're not gonna care. But something like Summoner Wars, um, I think is a very casual, friendly game that can be competitive, but in general, it's just kind of a fun, casual game you can sit down and play. And it's it's not, it doesn't feel cutthroat. I would, you know, if you were in a tournament, maybe it would. But I don't know. Like, and Kitty, you and I played uh, Seven Wonders Duel, which is, again, it's another like head to head. And, you know, again, probably bad example. I think we played like four or five times, and I'm not sure you won any of them. Um, <laughs> and then you said, I'm going to play someone else. Yeah. And then but I beat least- Matthew, and I felt better about myself. And then I still didn't play the game anymore. <laughs> But, Sorry, Matthew. Matthew <laughs> destroyed my fantasy football team this week, though. So I, I hope he's not too broken up about that one time I beat him at Seven Wonders Duel. He's probably all right. He wins a lot. I think he's going to win in our Lost Ruins of Arnek game by a lot. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Oh, like- wow. My fantasy <laughs> team did. Uh, sorry if you just heard my fantasy football app to try to play something. Um, yeah, did did better than I thought. It was going I, to. I, Matthew's still going to kick my butt, but... I, I finally won this <laughs> this week. But anyway, back to competitive games. Um, I think that those head-to-head dueling games, no matter what they are, if you're playing someone who's on a different level than you, one side or the... One side is going to stop wanting to play. Like, mm-hmm. I like playing Seven Wonders Duels with you, Kitty, because... I'm starting no, not, not right because now. I keep winning. I'm giving it another... I'm going to give it another chance. All right. All right. Um, and if I were, it, like I said, it's not because I keep beating you. It's because I do like the game. But I also, at a certain point, I'm going to feel bad for continuing to beat you. And you are going to not want to play anymore because there's no fun in playing if you're just going to get beat all the time. And I, I don't know. Like I said, it's, it's just a tricky one. It's a tricky one. Uh, two-player games, to me, right now, are co-op games. Those are the ones that I have the most fun with because then I get to experience something with somebody else, but it's not like a head-to-head fight. Hit me up on Discord if you want to play Seven Wonders Duel. I might beat you, but probably not. Um, I'm assuming you're talking to everyone else, not me. Yeah, I just invited yeah. you to a game. I'm talking to yeah. our listeners. Yes, listeners, invite Kitty to a Seven Wonders Duel game. and I'll play. I'm not great at it, but I'm getting better. It's it's a great and someday game. Someday I'll beat. All right. I'm inviting Michael to a game now. Do, do it. Do, do, do it. Do, do, do. I seriously, I'm on VGA right now. I'm I don't have as much to add to our summary of this episode because I was figuring out how many of my Kickstarters I need to <laughs> change my address on and also starting games on BGA. Because that's what I do. So Fletcher. Um, yeah. What is your summary of this? 
the summary of the conversation that we just had for an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Not just wrap summary. it up what real your, quick. Do you have some sort thoughts? of like? <laughs> Give us your final thoughts on competitive versus casual play. What do you prefer? What would drive you? What What type of thing would make you say yes? I want to travel to play this game against other people. Oh man, I don't even know because that does not sound interesting to me. Um, <laughs> I mean, the type of sort of competitive. I think that's games, a summary of the whole episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this does not sound interesting to me. Summarized. <laughs> The um, types of competitive games that, you know, that we've mainly been talking about are like head-to-head card games. And I think for the most part, I've decided that I'm not really into those. I like the idea of those, but I'm really just not that interested in playing Magic or Keyforge or Pokemon or games like that. Um, But how much of that do you think is because they're competitive like this, that to, to be all the way into it it's like you have to be part of this competitive scene or is it just you don't like the games um i think that it is kind of since it's like a one-on-one it's a combination of like a, a one versus one game which not super interesting to me tied mm-hmm. up with the fact that they're all like trading card games collectible card games so it's like a slot machine with a format that i don't care for so it's like two negatives i think i think the one-on-one is the key because there's a number of games where um i think that they're not money things again summoner wars is one that's worth checking out there's an online version of it too if anyone's heard of it and want to try it just um i think go to platat.com and there'll be a link to the summoner wars online you can play for free um it's a very inexpensive game to get into there's no I mean, there's expansions and stuff, but it's they're deck based, so it's, they're pretty cheap to get into. Um, but it's still that one on one. It's that one on one competitive nature of it, where it's hard to be casual when you're on different levels. And if you're being competitive, um, like what do you do? You throw the game. You know, you play something that's you know is subpar against something that's good. Like there's there's not a lot of ways, good ways of handicapping. Um, at a 1v1. And Keyforge is like, oh, yeah, you can apply change or something and handicap that way. And it's like, eh, you can. Um, but it's not much fun for either person involved. It's like, oh, I can only beat you if you handicap yourself. And I don't know. Um, I think you got something there with that one-on-one. It, it requires a certain kind of personality to like that competitive nature. of a Yeah. Game. Yeah. Interesting. I still find it interesting. Um, for those who are listening and know me on the Keyforge side, I am not saying I don't like Keyforge competitively. I'm literally traveling for this weekend to play Keyforge competitively. I will probably play Keyforge competitively at every event that is in, you know, financially acceptable distance. Um, because I do like playing the game. We'll see where Ghost Galaxy takes it. There's some things I like that they're doing. But there's a lot more that I'm very suspicious slash cautious of that I kind of want to see how it plays out. And right now, I think it's it's going through a rough patch. It's coming back. That's awesome. Um, the next set is going to be awesome. Um, the organized play scene 2023 will be a learning curve for the players and Ghost Galaxy in general. And I will be a part of it. Um, I'm just going to be a little bit more cautious, I think, than others. I'm not super excited. I'm not super down on it. I'm just cautious. I will participate and see how it goes. So that's where I'm at at the moment. Come Monday, actually next Sunday, 
Um, Sydney and I will be recording an episode of Help from Future Self on our way back from the event. So if you want to hear my take on Keyforge and Keyforge Celebration, um, listen to Help from Future Self next Monday. And then our episode next Tuesday, recording Monday night, will have very little to do with any of this. I don't know what the subject <laughs> is yet. And now for something it completely might... different. <laughs> yes. Maybe we'll talk about I have no Spoons. idea. Spoons. Rule books. Probably not. Um, all right. On that note, Kitty, are you prepared to look at our show notes instead of what you're looking at right now? I'm sorry. I'm playing John in Seven Hundred already. <laughs> uh, this is. These are the hosts I have to work with. People, it's the best I can do. I mean, the whole point. Is, I'm. It's all about our listeners. This is all about our listeners. Fletcher, I am going. I'm, I'm... I just read the show notes too. <laughs> I don't think I have any idea what you're talking about. Look at the show Go notes. Oh, now I see. Yes. <laughs> Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. <laughs> you can be part of our live recordings Monday nights at 8.30 Central. This week it feels more like 9.30 and you can really tell. <laughs> join our Discord to continue the conversation. It is also where you can join us and other listeners in a constant stream of online games on Board Game Arena. Some of them might be happening right now. The show notes have the links you need, and you can always go to tabletopgametalk.com for more information and to search our growing archive of episodes. Hosting fees and giveaways are sponsored by our patrons. Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, Sahara Wentworth, Michael Finley, Listener Doug, The Gift of Games, Jason Strong, John Lewis, Joe Hoover, Danita Hersey, Jim Conrad, Lightning Steve, Gary Bunker, Peter Fleming, Andrew Fayash, John Williams, Sir Selly, Matthew Droke, Timothy, Paul Romer, Nicholas Lotz, Weatherman Keith, Leanne Verhull, Stephen Judd, Marina Stevens, Ben Gary, Sean Peck, Michael Yanikowski, Jeremy Fisher, Christopher Dong, Terrence Miltner, Richard Yossi, Tolkien Fan Forever, Stephen Falcon, Joe Romero, David Radke, Brian Arnold, Courtney Falk, Ryan Ellett, Dan C., Darren McClellan, David Garner, Jesse Wheeler, Charles Pearson, Agnes Toth, Ron Nelson, Aaron Moore, Don Gilstrap, Glenn Cotter, Eric Silander, Adrian Dong, Eric Huffman, Jason Rodney, Justin Willard, Jerry Wong, Sean P. Kelly, Christy Keel, Monica Witchman, and Michael27. And thanks to everyone who's ever been a patron. Your support means the world to us, past, present, and especially your futures. Um, also, especially present and also past as well. Uh, really, we just like you. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. So for those who patiently waited to find out why Kitty was laughing so much, last week, Kitty put something in the show notes, something along the lines of, and I did not notice it until this week. So I just changed my name because I did the outro last week, if anyone uh, remembers. So um, yeah, this week, Kitty was the butt. <laughs> uh, I used to put show notes on Patreon. I don't anymore. <laughs> otherwise, you This just is see- why, because we keep writing people are butts in them. <laughs> yeah. Patreon, now paying more for less. <laughs> <laughs> Go to Discord, get a free game. Bye.